So I, I, I had more comments on BlockFi. And uh, I finished up the On the Brink podcast with hosts Matt Walsh and Nick Carter, uh, where they did their weekly wrap-up. And, you know, they were blaming a lot of the issues for the crypto lenders, uh, you know, including BlockFi, who they're invested in, you know, who, they're, who they, they funded um, in one of the rounds. They blamed a lot of what's going on. You wouldn't believe it. Guess who they're blaming it on? Well, they're blaming it on Grayscale. They're they're blaming it on uh, GBTC. And I was, you know, reading some tweets, and I had heard this rumor in the past. The rumor was that that BlockFi, the way that they were generating yield, like a few years ago, was basically they were dumping the Bitcoin that customers gave them and putting it into GBTC when it had a premium. But uh, it made sense to me, like, when I heard this, that they probably weren't doing it directly. They were probably lending it out to somebody who was doing this, who was taking on this trade. And, you know, uh, turns out that Matt Welsh, Walsh of this Castle Island Ventures, right, with Nick Carter, partners with him, they, um, turns out he interviewed one of the, the co-founders of Three Arrows Capital who blew up, right? And this guy was basically saying, hey, this is what we do. We basically borrow Bitcoin. And who are they borrowing it from? Well, BlockFi was one of the people they were borrowing it from. And then dumping it into GBTC and making bank on that premium. And what is so damning in this On the Brink podcast by this Matt Welsh and Nick Carter guy is that Matt Welsh says that he interviewed the co-founder of Three Arrows Capital in 2020-ish, and that uh, he was explaining the trade that, you know, the trade they were doing where they were borrowing Bitcoin and dumping it into GBTC and making a premium. And he said, he said that he, uh, he said, yeah, I realize the premium might go away one day. The premium will probably go away. It'll turn into a discount. And then later, um, this guy asked Matt, Matt Walsh to edit out this part. And Matt Walsh said that he did. That's pretty damning to me. Uh, it's pretty dishonest. Um, and the reason why he said he did this was because, you know, they interview um, uh, people all the time for their podcasts. They don't want to be known as these people that, you know, have gotchas. And I kind of get that. I kind of get that that's why these podcasts tend to suck is because, um, you know, if you have someone on your show and you're interviewing them, you tend to not ask very tough questions because you don't want your guest uh, to be upset with you, right? You don't want, you want people to come on your show. So a lot of times these people give softball questions uh, like this Matt Walsh guy, I guess, you know, or they edit out certain things so that uh, they don't get a bad reputation of being too harsh on somebody that they had on their show. Um, but, you know, of course, on, on the Brink episode last week, this guy's, you know, Matt Walsh and Nick Carter were saying, well, I wish I wouldn't have edited that out. Well, yeah, no shit. You know, I wish you wouldn't have either. Not that, not that nobody saw this GBTC discount coming, right? A lot of people saw this coming. Peter Schiff was tweeting about how eventually this premium would turn into a discount. And just like on the way up, you know, it was, it was at a premium. Eventually this would disappear when the price, you know, went down. 
uh, it would turn into a discount. And it's because um, GBTC has always been a really shitty product. It's never really tracked the price of Bitcoin. It's always been either above it or below it, right? Which is currently at now. But, you know, I just have to say, like, this Nick Carter guy, this Matt Welsh guy, Matt Walsh guy, they seriously are blaming all of the problems of these crypto lenders on the fact that GBTC has a discount. And if only, right, they think if only this ETF was allowed, the spot ETF was allowed, then everything would be just hunky-dory. We wouldn't have seen all of this, you know, deleveraging. We wouldn't have seen the price of Bitcoin collapse. Um, but this just ignores the fact that all of this Bitcoin currently is trapped. It's good for Bitcoin that it's trapped. Otherwise, it would be coming onto the market and it would be dumped. And the price of Bitcoin would be even lower. But I think that they were alluding to the fact that, um, okay, so say a three years capital had, had GBTC shares, a huge chunk that they couldn't unwind. Well, that means that they have the shares, which people tend to think, well, this means that you own the underlying Bitcoin. No, you don't. GBTC was not set up like that. GBTC is a trust product where you're just a beneficiary. You have no rights. You basically gave all your Bitcoin to Barry Silbert. He created this trust product. You have no rights. So uh, you don't really have access to the underlying Bitcoin. But Nick Carter was saying, well, even though the share price is low because of this discount, if these distressed lenders were able to get the Bitcoin out, right, by redeeming their shares, get the underlying out, then they could at least get a higher price for the Bitcoin, right? But so because, you know, they could return the borrow of the Bitcoin versus having to, to deal with um, a discount of GBTC, you know, if they owe Bitcoin to someone going into the market, but Bitcoin, at co- of course, right now being traded at a higher price at spot the GBTC shares, you know, they're at this discount and that's what sucks. But if they could somehow get directly to the Bitcoin underlying the GBTC shares, that would be a lot better for them. And they'd have, in theory, less losses. But this is assuming that they directly, you know, borrowed Bitcoin and they just have to return the Bitcoin. What if this Bitcoin needs to be sold? Right. What if this Bitcoin needs to actually be sold uh, to return the borrow in dollars? Or what if or what if other people just want to get out of Bitcoin? What if other people uh, need to, uh, so, so, so with the arbitrage situation though, think of it like this, you, you're going to get buying perhaps of GBT shares to close this gap, but you're also going to be getting dumping of the BTC of the, of the, sorry, the Bitcoin that comes out of this trust product, if it's even possible. So you're, what does that mean? So while the price of GBTC shares might go up a little bit, the price of Bitcoin is going to collapse. And I think it's also just, I think it's just also crazy to think that you can blame all what's happened on GBTC's uh, uh, discount price. I think you should blame it on the fact that the price of Bitcoin is just going down. I mean, that's what's, that is what the problem is here. And when there's a credit crisis, even in Bitcoin land, uh, you're going to have people making withdrawals. And if in this interview, Zach Prince, he told Nick Carter and Matt Walsh on on this special emergency interview that they did, they he told them that uh, they only have 10% of all of Vance's deposits 
on hand. So this is like a bank, right? A bank that only has 10% of their clients um, ready to make withdrawal attempts. And that's inherent. There's a credit crisis when there's fear in the market. Everybody knows there's no FDIC to bail out BlackFi. Right now, they're hoping on, you know, FTX to bail them out. Um, but that I, that may not even go through. I mean, in the interview with Zach Prince, uh, was it? The, no, the interview with Zach Prince made it out like the deal had already been, had already happened. Like they had already signed the, the, the deal. But with this latest news this morning on Coindesk, it's very apparent that there's still, you know, some people in BlockFi are still shopping around because they, because the current equity holders uh, of BlockFi are going to get wiped out if they deal do the deal with FTX with this $250 million credit line. And this podcast with Nick Carter and Matt Walsh, I think it was just Matt Walsh interviewing Zach because I don't think I heard Nick's voice, but... Uh, you know, it was so, was so misleading because they made it out like it's a done deal. They also didn't, didn't tell us the terms of the deal. And I was just thinking, you don't get this kind of money for free. Like, yeah, SPF is, is a effective altruist, but, uh, for poor people, right? Not for, 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 uh, you know, companies that make a profit, you know, SPF isn't going to bail you out, uh, um, <laughs> Uh, if you're a rich capitalist, right? He, he's he he's all for effective altruism for poor, for poor people. That that's the whole point of charity of giving, right? So it doesn't make sense. But you know, this this interview with Zach Prince was actually really really bad. They they hardly talked about the issues. They hard, you know it was almost like a desperate attempt from Zach Prince to say how we're different, right? That oh we're a little bit better. We we have a little bit better you know, risk managers here. Uh, well, not just because you over collateralized a loan to three, three AC. Well, you also let, apparently allowed them on your cap table at one point, And then, you know, this, this, this didn't even get addressed there. Somebody pointed it out on Twitter and, you know, Zach Prince had to tweet out today. They're no longer on our cap table, but it just seemed so, it seemed very desperate. These people are desperate. And because, they can't handle their withdrawals. Maybe they, maybe they got lucky and they dumped, you know, the collateral of three arrows capital, you know, to, to pay for their loan that they had. Right. So maybe they haven't lost any there, but what they're doing is they're bleeding out because people are getting their money or their deposits off of these centralized lending platforms. And I think that's, what's killing them. Uh, so you can be a little bit better with your risk management compared to maybe Celsius, but it still doesn't, um, it still doesn't, uh, change your business model, which is that, uh, how are you going to attract people to your, to your platform? If inherently you're in the crypto business, which is entirely, uh, entirely risky. This is a risky business to be in. Like, how do people think that these yields are being generated? Maybe you're not lending on DeFi, but some people pointed out astutely, hey, look, the Aave or whatever DeFi lending protocols are still functioning because, you know, maybe it's because they're transparent or maybe because they haven't been hacked yet. For whatever reason, they're a little bit more trustworthy because perhaps we can view it on the blockchain. We can see their health. Uh, no, no, I'm not saying that they're not risky, right? But, but, but block, BlockFi, Celsius, 
No one knows what's going on at this entity, right? And to be fair, they they lent money to three three years capital. Maybe they did it in a, did it in an over collateralized fashion, but that's still risk, right? They still trusted these people, apparently, and to you know to pay the money back. And they should have been asking questions of three AC. Hey, what do you plan to do with this money? And you know what? It's obvious that they knew Matt Walsh's interview. That he, pr- he he proudly said, "Oh, I asked this three AC founder co-founder when I interviewed him in 2020. What are you doing with to generate yield, right? Because we're you know because I'm invested in BlockFi and BlockFi is lending you Bitcoin. What are you doing? Well, the guy told you he's putting it into GBTC. So Matt Walsh and Nick Carter and Castile and Ventures and BlockFi, Zach Prince and Flory, <laughs> you know, they all knew." what 3AC was up to. He told you, and he told you he even knew that the, that the premium in GBTC would disappear and it'd be eventually discount. The guy told you that this would be a very hard thing to unwind. And I don't, I assume they, they told him how much of their business was involved in this. They, they understand how trust products work. They should have understood that this Bitcoin underlying the GBT shares you can't get at it if Barry doesn't want it to dissolve. This is Barry's Bitcoin now, right? Barry completely controls this product. You ain't getting this Bitcoin out. <laughs> uh, so in my opinion, this Bitcoin's never coming out. The last thing that Barry wants to do is dump all this Bitcoin for two reasons. The first one is he loses his pre- his his manager premium, <laughs> the 2% fee. But the second reason is is that he knows that if he converts this to an ETF product, uh, there's going to be a lot of selling of Bitcoin. Bitcoin will crash. There will be a lot of dumping of this product to just to close this arbitrage, uh, this huge gap. I mean, tons of selling. And then that's going to hurt even more uh, other businesses out there. Maybe maybe not all the leverage is, is out. Maybe people think this is a bottom and then we're going to go up from here. Oh, let's put all our leverage, <laughs> leverage trades back on. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Because this whole industry is just about uh, non-productive activities. Where is this, is this, you know, is this yield sustainable? Ask yourself, is this sustainable? And if you realize that none of this stuff is being put to productive use, then it's all risky and it all is unsustainable in the future. So uh, a lot of people say, well, just don't don't put your put your uh, just don't lend out Bitcoin to people who who put it into Ponzi schemes like an anchor protocol. Well, it's all a bunch of Ponzi schemes like none of this. Like, OK, if BlockFi were to come out and say, look, we're loaning big, you know, you put your Bitcoin on our platform. We're really risk averse. We're going to loan this Bitcoin out to Warren Buffett to expand Walmart or something like that. Actually, something that could be useful, right? A productive business, not just some hedge fund, right? Who's who's taking risks, putting it into more crypto uh, Ponzi-like schemes. Um, eventually, you can make a lot of money until you don't. And I think that's what happened with you know this three AC. They were making a lot of money. They had a lot of respect, a lot of credibility. Uh, BlockFi, you know, checked him out. Oh, we'll lend to them just in an over-collateralized way. And apparently, you know, uh, uh, because they were willing to lend to them, other people were willing to lend to them, perhaps not collateralized. You know, they eventually blew up. And just 
the, the FUD, I hate that word FUD, but this fear in the market uh, can also bring down a BlockFi. Maybe BlockFi was better than Celsius in some ways, but it doesn't matter if your fundamental business is based off of trust and that trust being that you can make your withdrawal withdrawal of people's of people's assets in a timely fashion and you only you admitted to the world why would zach prince you know admit this uh because this to me doesn't sound so good that you only have 10 percent liquid assets of customers funds available at any one time and you and you haven't upped that number and you know that that this you know the crypto world is running around with its hair on fire i mean please uh but yeah, I think that Nick Carter and Matt Walsh did a lot of lying in the last few weeks. Clearly, BlockFi was trying to do a down round. They didn't even mention that. They didn't even mention that failure. They didn't even mention the terms of the FTX deal. They didn't even mention the, ter- the fact that like it's not even done yet. They didn't even mention the fact that all their equity holders would be uh, wiped out. You know, and Nick Carter had the gall, had the gall to go on Twitter it went two weeks ago talking about how, oh, well, Celsius, you know, BlockFi is different than Celsius. BlockFi is different. And he also had the gall to call this not a bailout, right? He said, well, well, you're just using this term negatively. You know, neg- it's negative when the government taxpayers have to bail someone out. But BlockFi is, is just, it's just doing a, a nice business deal. Bullshit, this is a nice business deal. This is a distressed uh, business right? It's clear as day. Now that that we see this rumor, now it's a rumor, but they haven't denied it yet, right? That FTX gets to wipe out all the shareholder interest of the current equity holders for this $250 million credit line. Uh, So yeah. Uh, What is, what is the definition of a bailout, Nick Carter? When people think of a bailout, yeah, some people think of government people stepping in, government taxpayers having to step in. Thank God we're not at that stage yet, right? But what is the essence of a bailout? It's when some distressed company, and obviously BlockFi is distressed, has to take a bad deal, right? Not a very favorable deal to save their business. And that's exactly what's happening. you know. And Nick Carter better be very, very, very careful with what he says. He is an insider. He through Castle Island Ventures, he is a equity holder as of now, right? Until they signed the deal with FTX. But, you know, who who could, so in my opinion, this is some kind of fraud. Like this is some kind of fraud. I mean, this guy, he's basically lied to people to get to calm the markets, to try to pretend like BlockFi is okay. Well, who can sue Nick Carter if things don't go right? Well, people that our customers of BlockFi that end up losing their deposits could eventually sue Nick Carter for fraud. So uh, I'm going to end it here. I probably will have more comments about this at some point in the future. But that's that, uh, that's my, uh, my current line of thinking now. And, you know, this industry, I don't like this industry, uh, but I really don't. I, what, I, what I don't like more is all the fraud and all the lies that these people keep getting away with in this industry. That's actually what's worse. And this Matt Walsh guy, he was railing that these three AC people deserve to be in jail, right? And it's really quite funny. He's talking about jail for other, for this crypto person, 
uh, but not himself. He's not looking in the mirror and saying, look, I'm supporting all these Ponzi schemes by investing in them. I'm actively manipulating the market and lying, you know, to pretend like BlockFi is some, you know, the clean, cleanest shirt here. Uh, BlockFi is fine. You know, giving softball questions to CEO Zach Prince. And no, right, just a bunch of lies, just a fraudulent person. Well, maybe, you know, maybe Nick Carter and Matt Walsh should think about their uh, their place in jail, too.